0: listening to the mystical city of god in a year podcast. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on this four volume over 2500 page work by the venerable Maria of Agreda. It is never too late to join the discussion over on Facebook, to follow along for additional posts from me and to read the reflections of others who are following along. All you have to do is head over to the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast Facebook group and there you'll be able to interact with me and others. Let us now thank God for the life of Venerable Maria of Agreda. All good and holy God, we thank you for the life of your servant Maria of Agreda. May we follow her holy example and shun the allurement of the world and abandon ourselves to your perfect will. Like her, may we enter into the quiet of heartfelt prayer and find your presence deep in the silence of our souls. Through the intercession of the Blessed Virgin Mary, the Immaculate Conception, may we pursue with deepest longing a profound purity of heart, mind, and body. By the prayerful help of Venerable Maria, may we become holy and radiate the light and life of Christ to all we meet. Amen. Today is day number 107. We are reading from Volume 2, Chapter 12. We are reading paragraphs 144 to 150. Chapter 12. Of the first acts of the Most Holy Soul of Christ our Lord, in the first instant of His conception and of the corresponding acts of His most pure Mother. 144. In order to understand what were the first acts of the Most Holy Soul of Christ our Lord, we must refer to that which has been said in the preceding chapter, number 138, namely that all that substantially belong to this divine mystery, the formation of the body, the creation of the infusion of the soul and the union of the individual humanity with the person of the Word, "...happened, and was completed in one act or instant, so that we cannot say that in any moment of time Christ, our highest good, was only man. For from the first instant he was man and true God. As soon as his humanity arrived at being man, he was also God. Therefore he could not at any time be called a mere man, not for one instant. But from the very beginning he was God-man, or man-God." and as the active exercise of the faculties is coexistent with the operative essences, therefore the most holy soul of Christ our Lord, in the same instant in which the Incarnation took place, was beatified by intuitive vision and love. According to our way of speaking, the powers of his intellect and will immediately united with the divinity itself. For his human essence joined the divinity in one instant by hypostatic union, And thus, his human faculties, in their most perfect activity, were united with the essence of God himself, so that both in essence and in operation, he was entirely deified. 145. The wonder about this sacrament is that so much glory, yea, the greatness of the immense divinity, was enclosed within such a small compass, not larger than the body of a bee, or not greater than a small almond, for the dimension the Most Holy Body of Christ was not any greater than that at the instant when the Conception and Hypostatic Union took place. Moreover, in this small compass was included the highest glory, as well as the capability for suffering, for the humanity was at the same time glorified and also passable. It was both a Comprehensor and a Viator, possessing heaven, though yet on his pilgrimage to heaven, God, however, in his infinite power and wisdom, could thus contract himself and enclose his infinite deity within the sphere of a body, thus minute by a new and admirable mode of existence, without in the least ceasing to be God. By the same omnipotence he provided that this most holy soul of Christ, in its superior faculties and in its most notable operations, should be in the state of glory and enjoying beatitude. While all this immense glory was at the same time compressed, as it were, into the superior parts of his soul, suspending the effects and gifts of glory that would otherwise naturally have communicated themselves to his body. On this account, he could be at the same time a visitor, subject to suffering, enabling him to procure our salvation by means of his cross, passion, and death. 146. In order to be fully equipped for these, and for whatever the Most Holy Humanity was to perform, all the habits natural to his faculties and necessary for their activity and operation both as comprehensor and as viator, were infused into it at the moment of his conception. Thus he was furnished with the infused science of the Blessed, with the sanctifying grace and the gifts of the Holy Ghost, which, according to Isaiah, rested upon the Christ, Isaiah 11.2. He possessed all the virtues, except faith and hope, for these are incompatible with the beatific vision and possession, and were wanting in him. Likewise were wanting in the holy of the holy ones all other virtues, which presuppose any imperfection, since he could not sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth. 1 Peter 2.22 The dignity and excellence of his science and grace, the virtues and perfections of Christ our Lord, need not be mentioned here. For that is taught by the sacred doctors and masters of theology in a profuse manner. For me, it is sufficient to state that all this was as perfect as was possible to the divine power, and that it cannot be encompassed by human understanding. For the most holy soul of Christ drank from the very fountain of the divinity, Psalm 35.10, and could do so without limit or retrenchment, as David says, Psalm 109.7. Therefore he must have been possessed of the plenitude of all virtues and perfections. 147. Thus adorned and deified by the divinity and its gifts, the Most Holy Soul of Christ our Lord proceeded in its operations in the following order. Immediately it began to see and know the divinity intuitively, as it is in itself, and as it is united to his Most Holy Humanity, loving it with the highest beatific love and perceiving the inferiority of the human nature in comparison with the essence of God. The soul of Christ humiliated itself profoundly, and in this humility it gave thanks to the immutable being of God for having created it and for the benefit of the hypostatic union by which, though remaining human, it was raised to the essence of God. It also recognized that this holy humanity was made capable of suffering and was adapted for attaining the end of our redemption. In this knowledge, it offered itself as the Redeemer and sacrifice for the human race, Psalm thirty-nine, eight, accepting the state of suffering and giving thanks in his own name and in the name of mankind to the Eternal Father. He recognized the composition of its most holy humanity, the substance of which it was made, and how most holy Mary by the force of her charity and of her heroic virtues furnished its substance. He took possession of this holy tabernacle and dwelling, rejoicing in its most exquisite beauty and well-pleased, reserved as his own property, the soul of the most perfect and most pure creature for all eternity. He praised the Eternal Father for having created her and endowed her with such vast graces and gifts, for having exempted her and freed her from the common law of sin, as is his daughter, While all the other descendants of Adam had incurred its guilt, Romans 5.18, he prayed for the most pure lady and for St. Joseph, asking eternal salvation for them. All these acts and many others were most exalted, and proceeded from him as true God and man, not taking into account those that pertain to the beatific vision and love. These acts, and each one by itself, were of such merit that they alone would have sufficed to redeem infinite words, if such could exist. 148. Even the act of obedience alone by which the most holy humanity of the word subjected itself to suffering and prevented the glory of his soul from being communicated to his body was abundantly sufficient for our salvation. But although this sufficed for our salvation, nothing would satisfy his immense love for men except the full limit of effective love. John thirteen one. For this was the purpose of his life, that he should consume it in demonstrations and tokens of such intense love, that neither the understanding of men nor of angels was able to comprehend it. And if, in the first instant of his entrance into the world, he enriched it so immeasurably, what treasures, what riches of merit must he have stored up for it, when he left it by his passion and death on the cross after thirty-three years of labor and activity all divine? O immense love, O charity without limit, O mercy without measure, O most generous kindness, and on the other hand, O ingratitude and base forgetfulness of mortals in the face of such unheard of and such vast benefaction. What would have become of us without him? How much less could we do for this our Redeemer and Lord, even if he had conferred on us but small favors? Well, now we are scarcely moved and obliged by his doing for us all that he could. If we do not wish to treat as a Redeemer Him who has given us eternal life and liberty, let us at least hear Him as our teacher. Let us follow Him as our leader, as our guiding light, which shows us the way to our true happiness. 149. This Lord and Master did not work for Himself, nor did He preempt His soul, nor gain His augmentation of grace for Himself, but entirely for us. He had no need of all this, nor could he receive an increase of grace or glory, since he was filled with them. John 1.14 As St. John says, For he was the only begotten of the Father at the same time that he was man. In this he had no equal, nor could he have an imitator. All the saints and mere creatures gained merits for themselves and labored for reward. The love of Christ alone was without self-interest and altogether for us. And if he wished to enter and go through the school of bodily experience of this life, Luke two fifty-two, it was in order to teach us and enrich us by his obedience, Hebrews 5, 8. While he turned over to us his infinite merits and his example, in order that we might be wisely instructed in the art of loving. For this is not learned perfectly by affection and desire, unless it is truly and effectively practiced in deeds. I do not enlarge upon the mysteries of the most holy life of Christ our Lord, on account of my incapacity. And I refer to the Gospels, selecting only that which will seem necessary for the heavenly history of his mother, our lady. For the lives of this son and his most holy mother are so intimately connected and interwined with each other that I cannot avoid making references to the Gospels, and besides, add other facts which are not mentioned by them concerning the Lord, in which were not necessary in their narratives for the first ages of the church. These operations of Christ our Lord in the first instant of his conception were followed in another essential instant by the beatific vision of the divinity, which we have mentioned in the preceding chapter. For in one instant of time many instants of essence can take place. In this vision, the heavenly lady perceived with clearness and distinction the mystery of the hypostatic union of the divine, and the human natures in the person of the eternal word, and the most holy trinity confirmed her in the title and the rights of the mother of God. This, in all rigor of truth, she was, since she was the natural mother of a son, who was eternal God with the same certainty and truth as he was man. Although this great lady did not directly cooperate in the union of the divinity with the humanity, she did not, on this account, lose her right to be called the mother of the true God, For she concurred by administering the material, and by exerting her faculties as far as it pertained to a true mother, and to a greater extent than to ordinary mothers, since in her the conception and the generation took place without the aid of a man, just as in other generations and agents which bring them about in natural course are called father and mother, "...each furnishing that which is necessary, without, however, concurring directly in the creation of the soul, nor in its infusion into the body of the child. So also and with greater reason Most Holy Mary must be called, and did, call herself Mother of God. For she alone concurred in the generation of Christ, true God and man, as a mother to the exclusion of any other natural cause, and only through this concurrence of Mary in the generation." christ the man god was born this concludes our reading today for day number 107 from the mystical city of god in which we read chapter 12 of volume 2 and we read paragraphs 144 through 150. today we hear maria Vagrada really explain to us about the divinity of jesus this is what we believe about christ that he is a divine person with a human nature and a divine nature. If you want to know what it is that we believe about Christ, simply think about the creed that we profess Sunday after Sunday, especially the Nicene Creed. And we heard some of that language mentioned by Maria of today. For from the first instant, he was man and true God. Well, don't we say that every weekend? True God and true man, begotten, not made consubstantial with the father through whom all things were made. These are little statements that come to us from the very early years of the church telling us who Jesus is. There were many great controversies about coming to understand the person of Jesus. We call these heresies. And so the church then has to say, this is what we really believe about Jesus Namely, that he's a divine person with a human nature and a divine nature. And once we come to know Jesus in this way and understand who he is, well, then we can begin to think about every other aspect of his life. As he's born of the Virgin Mary, we heard he is the God-man. Conceived in her womb is the God-man. Maria Vagarda also said something else. That was very intriguing. She said, For the lives of this son and his most holy mother are so intimately connected and intertwined with each other that I cannot avoid making references to the Gospels, and besides, add other facts which are not mentioned by them concerning the Lord, and which were not necessary in their narratives for the first ages of the Catholic Church. I think we can often ask that question, well, why aren't certain things in the Gospels? Why would Luke not have written about this? Why would John not have written about this? One of the great questions people always ask, and I'm sure the mystical city of God is going to unlock this for us, and it's going to enhance our own reflection on the life of Christ. What happened during those hidden years of Jesus's life when, as an infant, we see him, And then we don't encounter him again until the finding of Jesus in the temple at the age of 12. And what happens between age 12 and 30 before he begins his public ministry? These are great questions. We often will even think about the resurrection of Jesus, and people will ask the question, well, did Mary receive an apparition of the risen Christ? Did Jesus go to his mother and Many of the saints say, yes, Jesus went to his mother. Of course he did. But why isn't it contained in the Gospels? Well, Maria of Agreda really hits it on the head. She says, which are not mentioned by them concerning the Lord and which are not necessary in the narratives for the first ages of the Catholic Church. In other words, what she's saying is, those events, whatever it is you're wondering about, Well, that wasn't necessary for us to know for our salvation. Everything contained in the Gospels is pertinent for our salvation. Apparently, those things were not. But now we have Venerable Maria of who is adding to this. She's telling us the Gospel story, yes. We heard the account of the Annunciation. We heard a bit more, didn't we, that she was prepared nine days. And now we're understanding Jesus in her womb, as she is relating it to us. It's a rich text, and we're so blessed to be able to read it and to reflect on it. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year, I'm reading and reflecting on the mystical city of God. I'm grateful that you joined me today, and I hope you'll join me again tomorrow. May God bless you, and Mary pray for you.